0: Back it up, back it up Let's dump this truck Back it up, back it up Let's dump this truck Hello and welcome to Bad Romance, I'm Jordan Searles And I'm Bronwyn Isaac And this week we are doing a film that you have probably seen the poster of but not watched Which is... 2004 is breaking all the rules. Directed by Daniel Taplitz, who, yes, is a white man for this black movie, and he has he has also directed a horror movie called Nightlife, which looks like a vampire movie, and a movie called Black Magic. Right, and those were, I think. Those were 80s, early 90s. So right, so his last movie before Breaking All the Rules was a movie called Commandments, which was a romantic drama with Aiden Quinn and Courtney Cox, and the tagline is "He's getting even by breaking all the rules."
1: Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> wow. And I don't know, like, I really don't know if that, like, it just doesn't seem real. Because then the tagline for this is, when it comes to getting dumped, he wrote the book. And it's like, it just feels like this t- they could both be taglines for the same movie.
1: I like, you know, what I love imagining is that he just had a Google Doc of taglines, but they were really just the same five taglines, just slightly edited, and then he makes movies of vastly different genres, and it's like I'll throw this one on there. I think that works,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the situation here is really strange because you know this this was it was written and directed by this white man, and uh, but like all of the aesthetics this movie is like (laughs) it's like he just spent a really long time looking at BET music videos and then made this and I almost feel like a little insulted that he's white because like it's just so (laughs) what he's doing is is so it's just so weird to me like it's trying so hard it looks like a promo for like city trends or something. Like I'm surprised there are no like apple bottoms in this. This is the most mid 2000s, like really trying to pander to black people kind of shit. And I think it's really telling that it tries so hard from the fashion to the look to the music, which I'll get, I'll get to the music. And this is a movie that I've never had a conversation with another Black person about. Like, I've had more conversations. I've had more conversations about, like, booty calls, sprung, woo, like, some stuff that, like, a lot of, like, you know, that wouldn't be known to, like, white audiences. But this? <laughs> it's, is, it, is it
1: one of those things where it's come up and the person you're talking to is like, oh, I haven't seen it, or or they just don't want to talk about it? Or is it something where it just never comes up? It
0: never comes up, which is
1: which yeah. is so interesting because, like,
0: when you look at the cast, we have Jamie Foxx, Morris Chestnut, Gabrielle Union. Um, <laughs> we even have Heather Headley, who plays herself in this movie and performs her hit song, He Is, which is one of my favorite songs. Heather Headley is one of my favorite, like like just people in general and to have her here and to play this song, the song that does not belong in this movie. And she, she performs it once and then like it, then it like plays over. So you hear it twice. So it's clear that she like got paid for this. And I'm glad that the girl got a paycheck, but for this movie, it's,
1: I know I like. I kept <laughs> thinking okay that is where a lot of the budget went I mean but there's huge name actors here too so I was just like I, I was like I feel like to have Heather Headley there that was trimmed from some of the maybe the set costs or what have you I was like that was a chunk that was a chunk there yeah At least I hope it was. was I hope she got paid well because you never know
0: yeah, I really, I really do. I mean, Heather Headley seems to be doing okay. She was, she, and she's got a habit. She plays the new, um, she she plays the therapist of of Nola. She plays Nola's, so I was like, oh, look at you, you're back. I like that. Uh, but yeah, so she's doing fine. But this, also, I guess I didn't name any of the white people that are in this. And uh, the white people are Peter McNichol, who you may remember from Sophie's Choice, or Baby Geniuses. Those are two,
1: <laughs> you know, two so cool. movies that really go together. It is like a two companion movies. situation. It really. <laughs> Uh, Those two
0: movies. I mean, he's been in other stuff, of course, because he's been around a lot. This is an actor that I like, and I like him in this movie, but I just, I always sometimes have to take a moment and remember
1: that he was in those two films. I mean, it's amazing (laughs) to think about them at the same time. (laughs) It really is. What a life. What a career. And
0: And we also have Jennifer Esposito, who was like really big in the 2000s, and then you know, uh, didn't really make it to the 2010s, but she's, she's been in a bunch of films, uh, Crash, He Got Game, Uh, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, Summer of Sam, so I guess Spike Lee likes working with her because that's two Spike Lee films, uh, you know, uh, Don't Say a Word, Dracula 2000 the master of disguise wait is he the love interest in master of disguise oh is she oh yeah she is the love interest in master of disguise good for her but yeah i i've always kind of like had a like a minor obsession with jennifer esposito just because she's bradley cooper's ex-wife and i've just always wanted to know the story on that because he seems weird i'm
1: (laughs) absolutely curious about that because he definitely seems weird and like (laughs) my love for a star is born only kind of congealed my curiosity about what he'd be like as a partner
0: yeah yeah exactly also we have uh bianca lawson here the forever young bianca lawson known for save the last dance and a lot of television oh yeah yeah. she was on pretty little liars (laughs) she's one of those actresses that played a teenager for a very long time yeah
1: she like pulled off a teenager until she was 35 which like good for her
0: And also, she's Beyonce's sister in law because Beyonce's mom married her dad.
1: I mean, imagine, like, imagine. (laughs) I'm just just happy that she's thriving, right? He's really like, I just want to I just want to see
0: photos of Beyonce Solange and Bianca Lawson at brunch. Like that is what I need. I need to know that they are pals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They have Eggs Benedict or Vegan Eggs Benedict. uh, And they're just they're The sun is shining. They're living a good life. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And our second, this is our second week in a row of having Gabrielle Union on the Uh, podcast. The
0: beautiful, luminous... Oh, the thing of. Oh, my God. The way that this movie tries to pretend that she isn't one of the hottest women walking this earth made me fucking angry. Oh, yeah, same.
1: Cause, same. Because they kept on
0: like comparing her to Halle Berry and being like, oh, yeah, you, you look nothing like her. And there are even parts of the movie where she talks badly about her own looks. And then there's also this all-to-do about her cutting her hair. And all of it is stupid. She's incredibly hot. Her and Halle Berry are both incredibly hot women who should not be put ag- set against each other. Actually, I would love to see something with both of them in it, like, now. I would like, love both that. of them now. I,
1: would, I would pay that money. I would be there. Absolutely. I mean, it's that really tired thing that happens in all over the world in everything, but specifically in rom-coms where this idea that one of the female protagonists is, like, somehow... You know, she's pretty, but we have to make fun of the way she looks at certain moments. Or she has to compare herself to someone so that she's the less pretty version. And so having her do that with Halle Berry, I mean, on one hand... Within the context of the movie, it's like her comparing herself to a celebrity, which that's an experience you know lots of people have. But on the other hand, I was just like, "But she is super gorgeous. This is such a weird, like this." And she look and she looks great with short hair. Yeah, this she is, pulls it's such it a off. Weird like I was like, I was like, you didn't even give her a bad haircut or like make her wear like like it looks good. And I'm glad that it looks good on her, but it doesn't make that plot line work.
0: No, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make it work. So the this is a story about Jamie Foxx, Bianca Lawson is about to get married to him and then at their engagement party she breaks up with him and she basically is just like you know I want to have a relationship with like passion and like it it just is this like it for me and I don't know just something needs to change and she also mentions in that scene that she is 25 which makes complete sense to me like that was already like the fact that he spends this entire movie mad about this breakup was, it was such a barrier to me enjoying it because she makes
1: complete sense. And he yeah, should just accept that. Like, she's just like, I want something with passion and we don't have passion. And of course, like the perspective of the movie is, I mean, she's cheating on him and that's obviously not cool. And she's like running away with his friend. Um, so that's not cool. But like, I think it's this idea that he is very fixated on why would she not want to settle down now? Um, And it's obvious that's not what she wants. And so he just, like, doesn't get it. And to me, that just makes it clear that they're not compatible, right? Like, she is running off with his friend, which, again, that's fucked up. But also, he doesn't seem to understand why they can't force it. And I'm like, yeah, neither both of you don't make sense for each other.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. And even in like, not even pointing out the fact that he's a decade older than her. And so it's like, okay, so if she's 25, that means that you're 35. She is in a very different place. Oh, than was you. he
1: supposed to be 35 in the movie?
0: Oh, actually, actually, I don't know if he was, but in, but just looking at them, I could tell that he was older than her just everything about him seemed older than her. And it was just like, you're trying, and and it just comes up like he's like trying to control like her. And it's just, she's young. She acts young. You are not as young. You don't act as young. You should just be dating someone who like is an adult.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really good question about, Like, the movie never clarified how old he was supposed to be, but it made it very clear how old she was supposed to be. And that is interesting, because like you said, he's a decade older than her in real life. And that would make a big difference. Like, if he was supposed to be a 25-year-old, that would also be interesting casting, you know? Because he looks fantastic, but he doesn't feel 25.
0: No, he's not. Like, he... (laughs) It's just so... uh, It's just so weird. So he also, like writes and he Peter McNichol is
1: like his boss or his editor is something I was very unclear yeah Peter McNichol is like the owner of this magazine so he was like an editor at I think it's called spoiled magazine um (laughs) and like we're introduced to Peter McNichol because he's like he invites Jamie Foxx into his office and is just like, I need to fire people. And you went to school for psychology, right? So you could like help me fire people. And it's this whole weird thing where like his boss is giving him work that makes no sense. And he's like, well, why don't you just have someone in HR do that? And he's like, I fired them. And and then Jamie Foxx basically is supposed to fire someone and he's starting to do it. And then he realizes like he can't do it. And And this is, like, right after the night that Bianca Lawson broke up with him, so he's already in a fucked-up head state. And so he, like, decides to quit his job. But him and Peter McNichol are still (laughs) – like, they're still friends. That's a confusing thing about the movie is, like, there's a point where he walks out on his job because he has this idea – to um, write about how to break up with someone because he's been thinking about how to fire someone and he just got dumped. So it's like he quits his job, but him and Peter McNichol are still in touch because Peter McNichol still wants his, basically, expertise and his advice. So they're, like, not friends, but he's not officially his boss anymore, most of the movie yeah, I
0: their whole thing was so confusing. I felt like I felt like him, Jennifer Esposito, and also jill Jill Ritchie, that that other white girl are there just so that there's like white people in the movie. And I mean, thankfully, like Jennifer Esposito is like really funny. In it, but like otherwise, it's just like it's just so weird that they're there. It's because they also just like seem like Morris Chestnut, Gabrielle Union, Jamie Fox. They seem like black people who don't spend a lot of time with white people. So whenever they're talking to them, and it's not just how they look, but it's like their
1: whole thing. It just doesn't make any sense for white people to be there. It's weird. It feels forced <laughs> to me. I agree. Yeah. Like Jennifer Esposito's character is the only one that kind of makes sense in that way. Jill Ritchie, I really don't know why she's there. No, it does not make sense like at all. And yeah, Peter McNichol. I'm like he could have been played by a black actor. He doesn't need to be white. Like I did feel like because he was there, he was supposed to be kind of this dorky white guy. Like that was how he was written. Is he's yeah, kind of this he's... like dorky white boss character? So maybe yeah, it's
0: yeah, yeah. It's very much like he's white, and like that's. <laughs> It actually, I don't know, have you seen Best Man Holiday? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like a long version of that scene where the white dude is trying to reach Neil Long and he's like, I tried all your devices. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to reach all your (laughs) devices. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. which fun fact I was in the theater I was on a date with a white guy at that and he was and I was still living in Georgia and he was so offended <laughs> that the movie was making fun of how this white man talks
1: <laughs> wow like he was like pearl clutching wow. He's like I actually can't handle this right now I don't have the bandwidth I can't, I'm just like I can't deal with like okay so we
0: say devices what what now and it was so funny too because he was the only
1: white person in the theater like I wanted to watch him. He didn't realize like he was proving the movie right. Like he's just it's like just it's like wow, you can't even take this joke, buddy.
0: <laughs> like like I like and even like the pre- like the whole pretense of the date was that he really wanted to go out with me and I really wanted to see Best Man Holiday and not pay for it. <laughs>
1: right and then he goes there and he's like well well gee like, bitch i just love imagining him him like fulfilling the character and being like well gee will a curse that's a that's a that's a not nice joke which <laughs> just like completely oh god that's beautiful though i hope i hope you didn't have to deal with him after that
0: yeah it's <laughs> oh yeah we didn't we didn't make it which is which is fine because he's one of those people who like made me watch Ghostbusters, which I watched Ghostbusters for the first time with him and then just like stared at me intensely like waiting for my thoughts on Ghostbusters and I've resented the movie ever since, just, even
1: though it's like fine. There are no <laughs> thoughts to have about Ghostbusters. Drag me if you want, online people. I like it. I like the movie. I enjoy it. I've watched it many times, but there's no thoughts to
0: have on it. it is, there's like, no like discourse. Like, yeah, it's like just it's a Ghostbusters. discourse. Actors. Like
1: you either like it and you think it's funny, or you like some of the actors, or maybe you don't like some scenes as much, or you don't. It's not that deep. Let it live. It's really it's it's not that deep. Uh, so breaking
0: all the rules. So uh, Jamie Foxx does right writes up this whole like rule book on like how to break up with people and like the methods and like should we do it in person this is oh you you should like sigh a lot here's like the language that you should use and like like Morris Chestnut at first is very rightfully just like you need a therapist like this is not oh yeah Morris Chestnut is his cousin
1: it's so funny I have to say uh Morris Chestnut and Jamie Foxx's relationship does feel very realistic in the sense of like they're cousins and they'll both call call each other out on stuff that they do themselves. You know, like Morris Chestnut will be like, that's not healthy. Like you need to, like he gives Jamie Foxx very solid advice, but then later he does the same stuff that he critiques. It's really funny. I'm like, that's a very human.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, he's like that, and then he sends Jamie Foxx to break up with Gabrielle Union. And he only sends Jamie Foxx to break up with Gabrielle Union because he got a sense that Gabrielle Union was going to break up with him, and he wanted to be the winner of the breakup, which is also just, like, a weird thing that I see in these movies, because it's like, if you want out of a relationship, and someone is ready to give you that out, why would you just... Wait so that it's you doing it. It's like, but you, this is like, no one in this
1: movie should be together, really. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, so no, I, com- <laughs> I completely agree. It is the idea of winning a breakup is so weird to me. Like, if somebody broke up with me and I was already trying to figure out how to break up with them, I would be relieved because I wouldn't have to do the work of breaking up with them, which is hard and emotionally scarring. Like, unless you absolutely can't stand someone. Like normally I'm with people that I care about, you know, and it's not fun to end things. So if they ended it with me, I at least wouldn't have to carry the guilt of doing that. So it's very funny, the movie logic that happens in a lot of rom-coms where it's like, who wins it? And I I do understand with the aftermath of a breakup, like if if somebody really hurt you in in an overt way and they were a bad partner, there is a fun in like, I'm going to you know, I'm going to live good and they're going to see that. Like, I get that, but winning the breakup itself is so weird to me. It's just a logistical thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so also Peter McNichol has this whole thing where he wants to break up with Jennifer Esposito, but it's one of those things that one of those kind of like... Jennifer Esposito is one of those like characters that men write, kind of like Eva from Deliver Us, from Eva, who is like supposed to be like terrible but it's so clear in the writing that she's written like you can just feel the writing in every sense that it just makes me like her because it's like you're trying so hard for me to not like
1: her (laughs) oh yeah like she's such a gendered villain that even though yes she's a villain in the context of the movie I'm like I feel like I know people you're basing this on and I love them (laughs) so (laughs) Like, the idea is that she's controlling, and in the context of the movie, she's kind of, like, watching Peter McNichol's every move, and, like, she has this power over him, and, you know, she wants his money, but also he obviously dated her because she's younger and hotter than him. You know, it's a transactional relationship, but Peter McNichol is like, I want out because I feel completely out of control and so he basically hits up Jamie Foxx and is like, your book is really successful and you help me fire people. I need you to help me break up with her. <laughs> that plot line. Oh my God. I,
0: it's so, cause it's, cause the whole thing is just like, she is too powerful. She's, she's her, her feminine wiles or whatever. Like their whole thing is like the first episode of coupling, which is just (laughs) where it's just like, like dude wants to break up with this girlfriend, but he thinks that she's really hot and wants to fuck her. And so he's trying to decide between like sex and like actually being happy with a woman that he likes and this is that stretched for an entire movie <laughs> and it's just okay
1: it's at so, some point like Jennifer <laughs> Esposito I gotta give it to her she really works with this character like she rocks this character she's like yes I will do this I'm like all right she- she
0: is giving the most to this movie no one is giving more than she is and she is
1: the MVP of this movie like she's great yeah she is like she is just like heightening that shit she is bringing drama i i love it i live for it like especially when she's like there's one point where she's on the phone and like Peter's like yelling at her from the next room like his safe word and she's just being so me. <laughs> she's
0: just <laughs> so good at it
1: I don't know I, I love it
0: she's so yeah and also just because like we're not even really sure why peter McNichol wants to break up with her because i mean yeah i mean she's like kind of evil but it's also just like she didn't just become this way so you were with her for a reason like let's talk about why and let's talk about what but the movie doesn't think like and the thing is is that like this movie is short and it feel and it still feels long because they waste so much time and we could just we could have like what about a scene of Peter McNichol like m- like talking to his like having lunch with his mother and like telling his mother okay so I'm finally breaking up with her and the mother acts like just like her <laughs> and oh then- I would love that that would be such a good reveal Yeah, like it's just, yeah, give it, give us something. He doesn't give us anything. So he's like, the man, the man is doing his best, but he's just not given enough of a character aside from
1: white guy who hangs out with black man. (laughs) Yeah, like I, I feel like the way that I mapped his relationship onto the movie was just, okay, Peter McNichol is supposed to be the kind of, the hapless privileged guy who makes a lot of money. And so he wants to be with a woman who is like societally condoned as young and hot and is just naive enough to think that he can have that and love um, without really getting to know her first. <laughs> like, that was my idea, was that she was good at seducing him, and he... It, it's like the classic, a man goes to a club and thinks the woman is in love with him when really she's doing her job. That was kind of the energy I got from him. And I think you're right. I think, like, what did he expect, right? Because she's just like, listen, we have a deal. Like at one In one scene, <laughs> she straight up says... I want your money. You want to be relevant. Let's work together. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and
1: it's like, yeah. And it's like, okay.
0: He He's not expressing what it is that he actually wants. Right. And that's kind of the problem with the movie. It's that you don't really know what anyone wants. Everyone does a lot of talking. Even like Gabrielle Union, who is gorgeous and like wonderful, like luminous, like great screen presence. I don't know... This movie tells me nothing about her, except that she cut her hair. This movie tells me nothing about Morris Chestnut, except that he's one of the sexiest men walking this earth. Uh, This movie doesn't tell me anything about Jamie Foxx, except that, like... Uh, <laughs> uh, Thank
1: God he released Ray this same year. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think that's such a good point, especially with Gabrielle Union's character. I feel like instead of giving her real character development, it gave her a job. Like, an actual job. Like, she works at a hospital. She works in physical therapy, but she knows all about, like, one of her kind of ongoing things is she talks about teratomas and how our body can create these teratomas out of like hair and flesh and stuff inside of us and how gross they are. And so I feel like that's the individualized thing given to her besides the fact that she gets a haircut is that she has this medical knowledge and works in the medical field, but we don't really see her at work. Um, Oh no, you know what? That's not true. We totally do see her at work. So I feel like instead of giving her specific character development It's just like her in the workplace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's her in the workplace with this white girl played by Jill Ritchie, who is just like not interesting at all. And there's also just this whole mix up. Like for some reason, Morris Chestnut is sleeping with Jennifer Esposito, but he's using Jamie Foxx's name, which leads to hijinks. And meanwhile, Jamie Foxx is falling in love with Gabrielle Union for reasons that the movie does not make
1: clear. Yeah, like at all. <laughs> the night that the night that Jamie Fox is supposed to break up with Gabrielle Union, the only way that Morris Chestnut has described her appearance because Jamie Fox has never seen a picture is just saying like she's. She's beautiful, like she's got a great body, she's smart, and she has this long, thick black hair. And that's the only way he describes her. He doesn't say anything racial. He doesn't say anything about her smile or anything else. So Jamie Foxx goes to this bar, and Gabrielle Union has a haircut, and he mostly approaches white women – And then like leans at the bar and ends up talking to Gabrielle Union and she lies about her name because she, um, she recognizes him and she's seen him on TV. So she knows that he's the guy who read the book and she knows that he's cousins with her boyfriend, soon to be ex-boyfriend and they end up getting along like they end up hitting it off. And of course, Jamie Foxx doesn't realize like that. She is the woman he was sent there to break up with. So he tells her all about that plan. And then they go get dinner and they bond and they have this whole like you wouldn't bite your hand because you're too selfish to bite your hand because of self-preservation. It's like this bit where it's like, I dare you to bite your hand until you bleed. <laughs> like that's like part of their meet cute.
0: I just um every everything is just like weird shit it's just everybody talking about weird shit it's like it's like a guy wanted to make Seinfeld with black people but then like didn't like change any of the references or conversation to make it sound like black people are talking (laughs) it's just it's yeah, it's just it's just giving them like weird, like quirky topics and things, and it's like this is like making it interesting, but it just sounds like everyone's. It just sounds like everyone is reading lines, like it, like it, it's. It's been a while since I feel like
1: Gabrielle Union gave more to deliver us from Eva.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Everybody. It's like you can see the script pages like just off screen. Like I've never seen people. Like people, these people it in the way that they did in this movie. <laughs> and it, you know, it does make no. me
1: wonder about their experience with the director. Like, did they like him? Did they respect him? I'm sure we couldn't get that kind of transparency in interviews because people got to keep their careers. But like, it does make me wonder if they were just like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing or this guy hasn't worked on rom-coms before because he hadn't, um, or this guy is trying to direct a movie starring Black people, but he's a white guy and he doesn't really seem to to like listen to people or know what he's doing. I'm very curious about that because whenever whenever I see multiple really good actors phone it in, I, I blame the script or the directing. And oftentimes, script writers and directors overlap. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This just seems like a... It's even just weird because I look at the producers and like, I just kept on looking for a black producer and I just didn't see one. And so it's just like,
1: this is one of those movies where I'm just like, why does it exist? I'm like, not- It's interesting because like, I had like a little bit of fun watching it. Like it's in the way that I have fun watching a good handful of the movies we covered that are like. Bad, they're bad romantic comedies, that's why they're on the podcast. But they're not insufferable. <laughs> they're not like so gratuitously bad that I can't follow what's happening, or so gratuitously, you know, misogynist that I can't follow what's happening. There's always a little misogyny, but um it it has like the sh- very rom-com shenanigans and like the switcheroo with Morris Chestnut and Jamie Foxx, basically. You know, Jamie Foxx starts seeing Gabrielle Union. He thinks her name's Mary, but her real name in the movie is Nikki behind Morris Chestnut's back because he doesn't know who she is. So Morris Chestnut just knows that Jamie Foxx is seeing someone. And then Morris Chestnut is hanging out at Jamie Foxx's apartment once when Jennifer Esposito goes there because Jennifer Esposito finds out about Peter McNichol's plan to to dump her and so she wants to like confront the man who's going to help her help her dude make her lose her bag basically but then Morris Chestnut assumes that Jennifer Esposito is there to hook up and he pretends to be Jamie Foxx and they start this like hookup relationship that is very it's the only way in which it's confusing in the movie is that it's very unclear it's it's uh, implied that they make some sort of deal in connection to her breakup, but that's never really fully followed through on. So they're just hooking up, but then there's money maybe because Peter McNichol is still meeting with Jamie Foxx this whole time because Jamie Foxx doesn't know that Morris Chestnut is pretending to be him. So it's this whole thing where like, Yeah, Jennifer Esposito thinks that she's fucking the guy who's trying to help ruin her relationship. And I think she's into that. But also, she's trying to prevent it from happening. And meanwhile, Jamie Foxx is seeing Gabrielle Union. So it's classic rom com in that sense. But like you said, Jordan, so many rom coms have these elements. And I think what would make this stand out is if we if we knew the characters a little more because the actors are so wonderful, even when they're phoning it in like Morris Chestnut, even when he's phoning it in, he's so fun to watch like his comedic oh, yeah, acting. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. The thing is, is that these are all actors that I like and it, it it's just weird, like, how little there really is to say about it. Like, the most that I have to say is that, like, in terms of fashion, it is one of the most 2000s movies I've ever seen. Like, everything that Gabrielle Union was wearing, like, that's the clothes that I thought was cool at the time. Like, even Jamie Foxx, like, being in his, like the twisted hair which he almost never has is like still very like it's just it's honestly weird that there's that the song get low does not play at all in this movie this (laughs) is so it's
1: so that's so true this movie is like if get low was a movie like that's how it feels
0: i i mean the soundtrack
1: was very i felt like i was in a time machine i liked the soundtrack a lot um because it was just very 2000s. I mean, the ending, like, obviously, obviously, as you can guess, there's a big confrontation when when Morris Chestnut realizes that Jamie Foxx has been secretly seeing Gabriella Union. Because a lot of the movie, Morris Chestnut is sleeping with Jennifer Esposito, but he's trying to get Gabrielle Union back, even after dumping her, because he becomes obsessed with her after dumping her, which is such a weird... It, like, it's never really explained. He just starts a fixation. So, and I, I feel like the fixation is a plot device so that there can be this climax where everything is revealed and everyone's mad at each other and these cousins are fighting, right? But even, right. like, even with all well, of-
0: Yeah, but even with all that, well, I guess uh, the other thing is that, like, at no point in the movie does Jamie Foxx realize that he never wanted Bianca Lawson anyway like he realizes that he doesn't want her in the present sense but it's weird that like for a movie that like it's so much about like people and like interpersonal stuff and like introspection that he never gets to the point where he realizes that like this woman that he was gonna marry he feels nothing for her (laughs) doesn't even really like, <laughs> I just love also that his morning process is to write the book. And at no point does he actually mention anything about her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it would have made a lot of sense if the movie had shown him writing the book or promoting it and mentioning his last relationship, right? Like, Oh, well, you know, this epiphany came to me after I was dumped, but really he just mentions that to Morris chestnut before writing the book. And then we don't hear about Bianca Lawson. And then she's introduced later in the movie because she's on a plane and she's crying reading the book because she knows the timing of when it was published. And she decides she wants to come get him back, which again doesn't make sense because, like, I understand, you know, she's young, he's kind of famous now, maybe she's curious, but the movie tries to sell us that she's genuinely remorseful and wants him back.
0: Oh, no, absolutely not. And when she starts calling herself his muse because he wrote this book, it's like, you're not even that because he wrote this book. Like, you were the catalyst, but you don't, like, he doesn't talk about her from the moment that they break up He doesn't talk about her. We don't know anything about her except that she's 25
1: and is probably going to grow out of all of this behavior. (laughs) Yeah, like it's not about her, even though she's the catalyst. It's about, it's not even about mitigating heartbreak because when he first pitches the idea of the book, it sounds like, oh, this is an emotionally responsible thing you're trying to do. You're trying to help people hurt each other less. But then as what the book says is you know, made apparent through the movie. It's like, no, this is just kind of like the game, except it's called the plan and it's a breakup thing instead of a pickup thing. And it's really about manipulation and quote winning. Right. So it's, yeah, it's funny for her to call herself his muse. And I think it just feeds into the character profile of her, which is supposed to be that she just is running to whatever is shiny, which I mean, that's again, you know, uh, that's a thing that happens, but it, like the the whole like big reveal scene is at this party where she shows up and Morris Chestnut is like, hey, I have a surprise for you. And then he's like, look, it's your ex. Which what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like what? And she's like trying to seduce Jamie Fox and be like, I read the book. Like we should get back together. Meanwhile, downstairs, Jill Ritchie has brought Gabrielle Union to the same party. And Jamie Foxx is there and like, it's like both Jamie Foxx and Morris Chestnut are there. And so everybody's there. And so it turns into this whole thing where Gabrielle Union sees Jamie Foxx with Bianca Lawson. They're not even making out or anything. She just sees them talking and she's like, oh, I saw you and your fucking lady. Um, And, you know, everyone blows up. But like oh,
0: the only the only scene in this movie that I feel like was executed perfectly is when he is when Jamie Foxx blows out the candles, the lights go out, and then you hear Morris Chestnut punch him to the
1: ground. Like, that. oh yeah, that, no, that was expert choreography. And I also like the continuity because in a following shot, which is back at Jamie Foxx's apartment, you see that there's cake on his shoes, and I love that detail. I was like, yes, because it was a birthday party that this all happened at. So, you know, there's this whole period of time near the end of the movie where Morris Chestnut and Jamie Foxx are fighting. And Morris Chestnut is like, I'm still going to get Gabrielle Union back, even though you lied and you dated her. And like this whole thing. And then it's just so funny that the movie has Morris Chestnut trying to get Gabrielle Union back this whole time. And it doesn't succeed And you also don't really know why. (laughs) Yeah, you,
0: you don't know why he wants her. You don't know why anyone wants anyone except the only person with, like, clear motives is Jennifer Esposito. She wants to get dicked down and she wants money. And, like, just very clear. Whereas, like, everyone else is just, like... The thing is, is that no one in this movie has a good enough connection for any of this shit because no one is in love. Like they use the word love, but no one is in love. There's no, like even the, the dates aren't romantic. Like this is, this is the kind of movie where you're, you need some laughs, but you don't want to think too hard, but you also want to see beautiful black people. Like this is something that like it's, but there's no actual like content
1: in it. It's, it's so empty of content (laughs) the couple that makes the most sense to me like at the end jamie fox and gabrielle union do end up together and morris chestnut and jennifer esposito end up together and i actually love that because the way that the movie concludes it with them is basically jennifer esposito is like once i found out in one of the scenes she goes once i found out he lied to me about his identity i was like so attracted to him (laughs) Like she became more (laughs) attracted to him because she found out he was manipulative. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all are going to have fun. You know, you know about each other. That's, that's that. Like they make the most sense because they're not even pretending to be in love. They're just like really into each other's antics. Right. And they're very attracted to each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like this the stakes in this movie are like I, I can already suggest some just watch two can play that game, which I feel like I suggested before. I might have suggested it in the last episode. But really, watch two can play that game because essentially like the whole concept of there being like rules for dating and lying and games to play, two can play that game did did it did it better and before and it came out before this and this just seems like a white guy trying to make a version of that from the male perspective but even the male perspective isn't really defined like it it seems like masculinity in this film is defined by being terrified of women
1: and just assuming that they're always lying to you (laughs) yeah absolutely assuming the worst of women generalizing them and fearing them Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, my dears, yeah, Watch 2 can play that game. And per usual, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas. You check them out. Of course, we always love reviews. If you feel like leaving a review, if you don't, that's completely fine. If you're not a patron and you want to be a patron, we have multiple tiers. You can get newsletters. You can get episodes about the OC. You can get our erotic side podcast in the smut. You can get the young adult side, post, side, side podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, I'm doing well. Uh, I hope that you're all drinking water as it gets hotter outside. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordane Searles. Hi. Bye. Bye. Aww, yeah.
0: Yeah.